I'll tell you what, we're going to, I hope you're not freezing. I asked him to leave the fans on the front. I sweat through my first shirt this morning, and uh, it was, it, it was, have you, had anybody ever seen T.D. Jakes on TV? He's an African-American pastor. He wears a suit, and he sweats through the suit. I mean, it gets like pits, and, and it's, it was, I mean, he's like the best. He's the best. And, uh, so I got some sweat, and Les looked at me after the service and said, you going to go change your shirt? And I was like, no way, man. I'm T.D. Jakes. <laughs> T.D. Jakes says it this way. He says, he talks to, uh, to pastors, and he said, when you're done, after preaching services on Sunday, and he's talking about wearing suits, he said, if your suit, when you go home, if your suit can't stand up by itself in the corner, you don't know how to preach. So I just went, okay, man, well, then I'll sweat it up. So anyway, uh, if you have your Bibles, please take them out right now. Last week, if you were here, you remember we rolled out an initiative that we believe God wants us to really become part of. And if you weren't, I want to just very quick, Eddie's here. Hey, Eddie. Um, if, if you weren't here, I just love having Eddie here. I just, um, if you weren't here, uh, I, I wanted to kind of share it with you. And uh, we are very, very excited about it. But before I share what it is, I, I also want you to understand that this, as big as it is, is not the only thing we're doing. And we're not even sure if it's the only one we're doing. We may do two or three of these things I'm going to share right now of this initiative, and that's this. We believe that God has called our hearts and Newbridge um, as a church to extend to the country of India. And uh, I could give you a lot, and I hope to unfold and unpack this through this series of how this happened, but it's been a very, very powerful and wonderful thing for uh, a small team, and it's going to expand, and now it, we're, we're really ready to move this out. And we partnered with a couple of different organizations, uh, one of them being Warm Blankets. It's a, it's, it's a mission organization, and what they do is they go into a third world country of great need, and they build a structure, and then in the bottom, they won't go into that area unless they find there's at least 100 believers, and that can be adults or children, that are together, that are wanting to move in and, and, and wanting to establish something. And so Warm Blankets goes in and they establish a structure, a house, a very usually a pretty good-sized house, especially for a third-world country. They build it with their funds. And then what they do is they, find, they gather together this hundred believers and they plant a church which is very exciting to us. They, they uh, have the leadership of the church come from an indigenous pastor. So they're not bringing missionaries from America or any of that. Uh, they're taking somebody right there that's ready for this, and they're trained, in, and they send them in to plant this church downstairs. Up above, what they do is they build an orphanage on the second floor of this structure, and then they staff it. They go out and they find widows. Because the Bible calls us to care for the widows and the orphans. And so they staff it with local widows because often in third world countries, it's the widows in that culture that are not taken care of that are the most, some of the most marginal adults, marginalized adults. And so what they do is they bring the widows in to be the staff of that orphanage because who knows loss like a widow does. And she becomes the mom to those, to those children. And then when that's established, they go out and they rescue children from sex slavery, from uh, well, any kind of slavery or human trafficking of any form. 
They bring them in, and then they establish this. And then what they, try, they, what they want to do is they want to turn it over to a church. They want to give that, and, they, and then they can go build more, and they can go do more with their funding. And so Newbridge is a church that, uh, and this has been a long time that we've been working and planning and, and going after this, but we believe that now is the time, and we are partnering with Warm Blankets, and we are going to take at least, is that fair, Doug? At least one of those homes. We don't know how many, uh, because we're just kind of moving. And there's some other things that we have not told you about in that region as well that we're going to be about, and you'll hear more as this deal. But I wanted to get everybody up on the same page, and I, and I wanted to share that with you so that at least uh, we can kind of move from that. So, so with that, it's really easy to move into a series like this and to begin and talk about, uh, about well, what's really involved in this, and this can in, in, in and of itself become a program. But it's so critically important for me and for our heart here at Newbridge is that it doesn't become that. Because, see, I've been invited to a lot of fundraisers. I get it all the time. People invite me to fundraisers of all different kinds. And honestly, there's times that I go in there and, and you go through the vision pitch and you go through all of this stuff, and it's wonderful, and I'm not down on that at all. But I can sit there and actually go, okay, come on, just net it out. I know this is horrible. I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't do it. But I just kind of go, kind of net this out. I got my checkbook. Let's, I'll do what I can. Tell me, you know, what's the bottom line? And I knew that you could do that as well. I knew that this could just become another one of those things. Another one of the, okay, so what's the church doing? Kind of just net it out for me and I'll write the check and I'll, I'll do what I can and I'll, I'll try to be part of that. But this is really not only about that. It's not only about that. Um, this week, the Lord, I felt like, really spoke to my heart as I was praying about all of this. And, and, and the Lord, um, the whisper of, of God in my heart was this, is that, the per- Mark, the people that I desire and that are going to, the most radical transformation and the most radical salvation, is uh, only as you can imagine, as big as that's going to be, in a country like India, the biggest transformation is going to be the hearts of the people sitting right here. And some of them have farther to go than some of the people in India. Mark, you have a, you've got a long way to go. And God wants to do something deep within our hearts here. Um, because, and, and I don't want you sitting here thinking, okay, for six weeks you're going to tug at my heartstrings and then you're going to tug at my purse strings. And it, it, it's ridiculous. And it's not even wrong that you would wonder that because I think that's the church culture that we often live in. You just want to know the bottom line. You want to know what you want. And you have a right to ask that. You have a right to just say, Mark, what do you want? But I want you to know God has a right to ask that of us too. What do you want? What do you want? Now I want to look at a passage of scripture, a short one, because we have a lot to do today, but a short passage, and there's no notes, so don't <laughs> search where did they hide them this week. Uh, there, there's nothing in your program, but if you have a Bible, just open up to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen, so don't, don't worry about that. It's a very short piece of scripture, but I want to give you some background to it so it'll make sense to you. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is now going the final, his, his final trek, his final time, he is going to Jerusalem. He is going to Jerusalem that final time to die. He knows that that's what it's all about for him. 
And as he goes, he does some teaching along the way. He tells this thing that's called a parable. What a parable, it's not something that actually happened. It's a story that he makes up to illustrate a point. And the first part of Matthew is all about that parable, that story that he's making a point. And here's the point that he makes, and I want you to tuck this away in your head. The point that he's making is called, he's dealing with this issue called entitlements. And he makes up this story. He says, this guy's got this this farm and he goes out and he hires somebody to come to work early in the morning. He says, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars, $10 today to work all day in my my vineyard or my whatever it was, that, 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 that farm. Okay, so that's all set. And the guy comes, he says, deal, I'll work for $10. And then somebody comes, he goes out and finds somebody else halfway through the day and says, I'm going to pay you $10, same amount, if you'll come and work. The guy says, deal, and he comes, and that's fine, and the guy works half a day. And then somebody comes at the end of the day, and he says, he comes in at the end of the day, and same amount. But these workers, as you can imagine, find out. They find out that the guy that's just working a couple of hours and the guy that worked all day, hey, wait a minute, this isn't fair. This isn't what's going on. And those are what we call entitlements. And so they felt entitled because of their seniority, because of the time that they, they had invested. And Jesus is dealing with this. And he's saying, is it really wrong that they made a deal and that this guy paid them that? And, this? and he's saying, forget the entitlements. And of course, we would know now that he talks, that he's really talking about people entering into the kingdom of God. And some of us grow up in church world from the time we're babies. And some of us in our teen years or college days, and some of us as adults, and some of us even in our golden years, find Christ. But he's dealing with this issue. And he says, we're going this final time, and he gets very clear with them right before we, what we're going to read. And he says this, he says, I'm going to make this clear, basically. And he says, I'm going right now, right now, to Jerusalem, and there I am going to be mocked And they are going to flog me and beat me. And they're going to crucify me and kill me. And then in three days, I'm going to rise from the dead. This is the third time he tells them this. Now, they're all walking along, and there must have been kind of bigger than just the 12, kind of the posse that's walking with them, you know, this this group. And they're, they're walking together, and then we enter in, right at that point is where we enter in to this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, and then the mother of Zebedee. Zebedee, that's a cool name, isn't it? And, and by the way, we would know this, Zebedee is James and John. That's the, James and John's mom, okay? She's obviously with them. She came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, she asked a favor of him. So she, she kneels down at the feet of Jesus in, in showing great respect, and, and she, she kind of gets down there and, and she honors him, and she does this thing that many of us have done in our life at one time or another. She says, would you grant me a favor before you ask? Like, make a commitment, okay, Lord, to the favor. Would you do this for me? And... Uh, Jesus is way too sharp for that. And he says, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? This is a really great question, isn't it? What do you want? I mean, really. You see, because you've been here, and your sons have been here from the beginning of my public ministry. They, they, were, they were on from the very start, and, and you're there, but really, what do you want here? 
Let's cut down to it. Because see, the truth of it is if left long enough, at some point, whether it gets tough enough, whether it gets hot enough, whether it gets painful enough, we will go. Whatever reason we came to God for, if it gets hard enough, we will go to God and we will tell him what we want. And it's going to get revealed. And so Jesus says, it's time. I think this mom, she's a, she's a good mom. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, she, maybe she's got a lot of ambition going for her right now, but, but, but she's coming to Jesus and she's sharp enough to know, he just, you guys aren't getting this. He just said the third time he said he's going to die. She's probably looking at the situation going, you know, he's never said, Peter, you're number two, and, and Andrew, you're number three. She's, he has not given a pecking order or, or an authority order to the rest of you. So let's establish this right now. And so she goes, because she knows when it gets to Jerusalem, it's going to get hot. Things are going to get, it's getting tense already. So before, as we're walking along the road, she just comes in and she says, get, wait, can I have a moment? before it gets crazy. I just need a moment. And Jesus says, what is it that you want? She said this, she said, Grant, that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Um, This is clearly a moment of her own ambition, of wanting to kind of take her sons and get them up above everybody else. Because when she says, well, can one of my sons, your choice, don't want you to think I'm being selfish here, but you choose Jesus between my two sons that have been with you from the just and one sit at the right. To sit at the right hand means a place of authority, and one at the left, that's pretty darn close. I, okay, so we're, we're right there. I want them on the top, the cream, you know, up at the top. And I love this, when Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Man, listen, Mom, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew what I'm going into right now, and you don't, you're asking something very great. And later, Jesus would go on to say that it's not for him to do that, to establish that. That's not even what this is all about. And he'll say that later. And by the way, it also says later, we're not going to have time to cover it all today. It says the other disciples, the other 10, were standing there watching this. And they're getting ticked. It's like, oh, dude, oh, that was brilliant. Isn't your mom in a wheelchair? We should have brought her. Put her up there. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, they're angry because they see what she's doing. This is a ploy. This is a move. This is a positional, yeah, this, oh, no, no, no. And they're getting angry. So Jesus now has this kind of mess on his hands because he's going to die. These are the guys that he's invested his life and the kingdom to, by the way. And he's giving it to them. And now all they're doing is trying to jockey for position. And he says, you don't know what you're asking. Now, here's the truth of it, just so we're all on the same page. You don't know what you're asking either. When you and when I came to Jesus, if you are, and some of you are still in that position right now where you haven't made that decision, and that's why it's just great that you're here, and I, I just keep listening, keep taking this in. 
But for anybody who has gone to the Lord and said, Lord, I want to follow you, and yes, I'll follow you. Please forgive my sins. That's the first part. And the second part is lead my life. You don't even know what you're asking. Okay, can we all get there that you don't even know what that's about? I don't. And if I don't, I'm supposed to be leading everybody. I, I don't even know. I still, to, I, I mean, to this very day, I still have the Lord cutting into my life. I still have the Lord saying, man, Mark, come on. This piece right here, you can do better than this. There, I still find this darkness in my heart that rises up. And I still struggle when God says, okay, now go there. And I'm like, mm, Lord, I, I was, thought we were going this way. You know, the Lord showed me a, a, kind of this picture of that not knowing thing this week. Um, I live out in Boonia land, uh, it kind of, it's a, it's a fairly rural area out in Tumwater. And um, it's out by Black Lake and... and, and there's not a day probably that goes by that we don't see deer around somewhere in the neighborhood or somewhere. I mean, they're just everywhere. So it's not like it's a very unusual thing for us. And so on Friday, I was driving to work and I, I'm pulling out and I'm driving down this little road and, and there's this mama deer and her little fawn right there behind her and they're on the side of the road and, and I'm just driving and they were on the left, my left side and I'm, of course, in my lane. I'm on the right and I'm driving. But I must have startled the mom and she jumped up, she saw me and she just bolted. And I mean, she just skied. If you've ever seen a deer do that, they, they can just sky. They have serious hops. And, and she takes off, little fawn behind her, bam, bolts right after her, and they're running down the, well, they're not running. I don't know what it's called, but they're doing the boing, boing. And I mean, I, I, mean they pro I don't know how much room they have in between each one, but they're just moving down the road. And there's room for it because I'm in the right lane, and then there's the whole left lane, and they're on that other side of the road. So it's cool. And I'm driving, and this isn't like shocking to me or anything, but, I'm, but I've never really done this. And my window's down, and I'm driving, the music's going, and, and these deer are right next to me. I mean, it was like you could almost, I, I was telling first, it's, it felt to me like, like the Titanic, you know, the movie, where she's standing, they're, they're standing out on the front, and the dolphins are doing that. That's what it felt like. And I'm like, yeah, Lou, look at you. You know, and we're just, and we're, and we're really moving pretty good down the road. And then all of a sudden, she, she launches and she hits on her front hooves. And I don't know how an animal, I don't know how much they weigh, four or 500 pounds. I don't know how an animal of that much girth could just instantly shoot. And she did that. She saw me. There was no doubt that she saw me in my car. And she just did this turn right at my car. I mean, right there. And it was one dive, and she landed right in front of my car. And in the same way, when she hit, she then turned and headed the same direction of my car. My, both of my feet are on the brake with everything I have, and I'm like fully launched forward. And all I saw, I didn't, I, I, honestly, I know this is sissy, but I just closed my eyes. I thought, this is over. This, this deer is gone. And, and I hit this thing with everything I could, 
for a second, I closed my eyes and I opened them up and I didn't hear anything. But when I opened them just in that second, her back end went down, like skidding knees on the ground. And then back up and she's just bouncing and right in front of my car. Fawn is on the left. And then, I mean, at that point, I'm just locked up and I'm stopping right there. My heart is pounding. My blood pressure is ready to just blow the windows right out of it. I mean, it, I, I get to church, and we have this prayer time and Bible study in the morning, and I mean, I couldn't get my heart rate down. I mean, all the way to church. It was just, it was crazy. Um, as I progressed... And I don't know, I just kept, it was, it was kind of a weird, traumatic thing. But as I kept going back to that event, I kept thinking that, you know, Lord, it feels like that's what you do to me sometimes. I mean, I just don't get it. I mean, I think I get it, and I think we're just in this awesome thing, and we're moving down the road, and you're bouncing next to me and we're kind of right there and it's just so cool and then you'll do something like that you'll just jet in front of me and I gotta lock it up and everything that I thought was right isn't right and 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 then you're doing and and I think that's what's happening here I think that we get to this place where we don't know. You don't know what you're asking. But some, here, here's the joy of this story. It doesn't end right here. He asks them another question. And he says this. He says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Because see, even though you don't know, and Jesus, by the way, you have to hear this. He knows that you don't know. Even when we say, oh, Lord, I'll do anything. He knows. He sits back. He goes, they don't know what they're fully doing, and that's okay. Because I'm going to reveal this step by step, bounce by bounce, as we're going down the road. And, and you'll see this as this story unfolds. He, see, Jesus did this often. John 13 He's, he does this thing. He gets his disciples together, and he's going to do this weird thing that shouldn't have been done, basically, by him, certainly. He's going to wash their feet. And he says this in 13.7. He says, you don't know what I'm doing right now. But one day you will. And he leaves it there. And this is what this thing is like. He says, yeah, I know you think, you know, you, you know. But he says, he asks them the question, can you drink from the cup that I'm about to drink from. And in the Hebrew mind and in the Hebrew culture, you must understand that they knew what this cup thing was all about. You see, when there was a cup of wine or juice, what they knew inherently that there was a crushing that takes place. When you see that in the Bible, when he says, can you drink from the cup? It's always about pain. It's always about the crushing of something. And, and, and remember when Jesus was in Gethsemane, the night before he's crucified, he says, Father, if there is any other way, take this cup. Yeah, take this cup. I, I, I don't want to drink from this cup. Take this cup from me. In the book of Revelation, it talks about the wine press of the wrath of God and that the world will drink from this cup if they don't know, if they don't receive the forgiveness of God. And it's this really powerful thing. 
Even movies like Grapes of Wrath. I mean, we hear these kinds of things. Paul, in, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, when, uh, right before, the last thing he writes before he dies, before he has his head cut off, he says this. He writes this letter to Timothy, and he says, even now, Timothy, I'm being poured out like a drink offering from this cup, this, this, this cup that I'm going, I'm being poured out. They understood what this meant. And when Jesus said, can you drink from this cup? They were like, yeah, sure. Well, look at, look at their response. Yes, we can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm only guessing that Jesus, in this moment right here, between just in that little space where the 23 is. I think he must have looked at that and said, hmm, I know what's going to happen. And by the way, guys, you are going to drink from this cup, but you don't even begin to know. Hey, mom, I know you're jockeying for position, and I know you've come kind of honestly, if we could say it truthfully, you're here for all the wrong reasons right now. But they are going to drink from this cup, but they'll be ready when they drink. They'll be ready then. It's not now. You see, um, I don't know if Jesus would look at those guys that he loved and said, Mom, you don't really want to know what that cup is all about. And guys, I don't think you want to know what this cup is about. You don't want to know what it's like to have a limb removed while you're alive. And they're just telling you all you have to do is just renounce me. All you have to do, Jesus, just, just renounce me. And they'll take the sword and they'll put you, and it'll be a quick death. It'll be over. But, but you don't get that. Oh, you, you are going to drink from this cup. But it's so clear. He says, you're just not ready. And I still love you. I'm still committed to you. We're still going to do this. Because see, that, that's kind of what happens with people. We think we're ready, but God knows it's this journey. It's this long journey. And I hear it all the time, you know. Because he, he doesn't say not to make a commitment. You see, that's the crazy part. You commit to him even though you don't know everything. Isn't that weird? I mean... Wouldn't you say, I should know what it is I'm committing to? Well, here's what it is that you should know that you're committing to. You are committing everything you have. And many, many, many of us have, we have said, yes, we're committing everything we have right now to you, God, even though we don't know and understand what all that looks like. We have said that to him. And I'm just telling you to get ready because there's times where it's going to jet and you're going to have both feet on the brakes and you're going to go, I'm not sure of that. Whoa, I didn't know you were going to ask that. But it's not, we, we have so minimized this thing. You see, where God says, I want all of you, not just, uh, not just Sunday. I want your whole life. But somehow in the church today, it kind of just nets out to Sunday, at, Sunday morning, not even all day Sunday. Or we say, well, God wants a tithe, you know, with 10%. Really, wait, time out. It's everything. God, God, every, God owns everything. See, when I sold out, I gave him everything. And this is a hard message. And people are like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure, you know, about that. How can you be committed? I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of commitment. You know what? Listen, you're never ready 
You're never ready. Just like when you get married, you know, you're, you're never ready, you know. You don't know everything when you're going to get married. You just decide, I mean, you, you figure out, is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life? You do everything you can to get to know their character, their nature. You go through, you do all that, but are you, I'm just not ready. Well, you're never going to be ready. You jump at some point when you get that, you, you, you move in. I mean, there are still things that I am learning every day about my wife. Thinking about this, this, you know, when I would take a shower, I would get in the shower, there was one bar of soap and one little thing of shampoo. That was it in my life. Now I don't even need the shampoo. I just, you get married and there's like 47 things in there and you're just going, what in the world, you know? I mean, before I got married, there's one pillow on your bed and you put your head on it. Now there's like 23 pillows. It's like, what's the point of, okay. You don't know all of that. People are like, well, we're just not sure, you know, I'm not ready to have kids. <laughs> You're never ready to have kids. Sheesh. Okay. And you do need to do the work. I'm not saying that. You do need to try to find out what you can and be wise about those decisions. They're huge. But what we're doing in this season of ministry is we're saying, okay, God, we want to know your heart because you have called us into relationship with you. And here's, here's, the bottom, I, here's your bot, true bottom line. What does God want really here? It says it this way in Romans 8. There's, there's a very famous scripture in Romans 8. It says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now, here's the real hook here. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. He, God wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us to be like Jesus. So you learn more about Jesus, and you learn more about all of that. And we're becoming this. And one of the beauties of a church is we become this together. And, and, and God is doing this, and I'm so grateful for every one of us. And, and you know, months ago, they, uh, our creative team were trying to, to, to put this together, and they came up with this whole idea of this, in many ways, as, as a ministry, we're like a quilt, you know? And I love that picture of, of a quilt where, it, where there's or a mosaic kind of quilt where there's all these little, oh, there we are, right there. And there's all these little pieces and every one of these you know, squares is, is a person, it's a family. And so you guys came along and you wrote your names and you wrote scriptures or you wrote words that would maybe describe your family. And that goes small. But when you look back, you see this big picture of what God's doing. Well, here's the deal. There is a big picture here of what God wants to do with us. But that big picture is made up of small pictures and every family and every person and every heart is part of that picture and that's what we have to understand now here's where it gets difficult and i hope you can really listen and beyond my words and hear my heart because if you've been around here you i hope you know me as a church as a church we believe that God is moving us in a direction as a church. But that church, being made up of individual people, are going to come to those crisis moments where you're going to find, perhaps, that you have both feet on the brakes. 
and you're not sure, and you have to think, and you have to deal, and you're going to have to wrestle with some hard things in this series. And I'm not promising you that this series will be easy. I'm just promising you it'll be the heart of God. And I can say that with authority because I have God's word. And we're going to go hard at this. And I think that there's a lot of people that come around and, uh, how do I say it? I think there's a lot of people that want to sleep with the church, but they don't want to be committed to the church. You know, you why buy the cow if the milk's cheap? Why buy, you know, you've heard all that madness. There are people that love to come to church and they want to sleep at the ch- with the church, but they don't want to commit. God's called you to be part of a body. Now, if it's not here, that's okay. I, I can't tell you enough. I, I, find a body. that that you can be committed to. But part of what this is going to be about is you getting more committed and more deeply involved in the fabric. Now, Now, listen, if you have not made that commitment to Christ yet, if you haven't done that, I'm not talking to you right now. If you're a visitor from out of town right now, I'm not talking to you. Please please just kind of put it on hold. I'm talking to people who are believers and you've kind of just been doing the maybe half day on Sunday, maybe not, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to speak very directly and this will feel harsh. I just hope you know my heart through being here, maybe for some of you through the years, because I refuse, I absolutely refuse as the pastor of this church to allow people to come week after week and just sit here and just maybe get a little fix, maybe get a little something from God and feel good about things, and then you leave because what's going to happen? God never designed it that way. And what happens in that situation is that it works for a while and you feel, I love going to church. I just, and I get this kind of buzz, you know, spiritual buzz from going to church and I do that. But you're going to find as you go month after month and sometimes year after year, that buzz doesn't last. You're going to find, you're going to get to a point where by the time you're in your car after a really great service, there's, there's just going to be, I don't know what's happening, but I, I felt hope when I was in there and now I'm feeling hopelessness. I mean, I'm in my car going home. I'm feeling hopeless right now. And then what happens, and I've seen this again and again, is that people come back and they end up maybe after a couple of years of this and it's starting to fade and the edge is gone. They start, going, they start doing things and saying things like, yeah, I tried the church thing. I tried the God thing and it just, I don't know, it just didn't work. It was kind of cool for a while, but it just didn't work. And I am not going to sit here and allow you to blame God. I cannot do this. Allow you to blame God for not being real, or this church, or me, or anybody else that you want to that because we didn't move to the truth of what God said for our lives. And the truth is not that you would just get a couple of minutes on Sunday morning. And you're going to find that you have a gaping hole in your heart, in your spirit, And the enemy of your soul is going to want to tell you it's just something, I don't know, it just doesn't work. Okay, forget that stuff. And I will not allow it to happen. So here's what I'm going to say, and I hope you can receive this with the right heart. I'm I'm going to do everything I can do, even get nasty if it takes that, to just say this. You either need to move 
forward in your walk with God or you need to move on outside of Newbury. You need to go somewhere else. And I know that's harsh. In Revelation, that's what Jesus says in that revelation. He says, you know what? You're lukewarm and it's dying. You don't know that you're even dying, but it's dying inside of you. And he says this. He says, you know what? I would rather have you cold than lukewarm. Because at least if you're out there and it's cold, you're not blaming everybody. You're not saying things. Don't, at least you know you kind of walked away. Now again, I want to reiterate, I'm not talking to those of you who have not made a commitment. Some of you are trying to figure this out. So I want you, and it's great that you're listening because this is what you're giving yourself to. But some of you need to leave this church. You need to go. If you are not going to move forward and you are not going to take some steps of action in your life, Move forward or move on. And I say that to you with fear and trembling. It's probably why I'm sweating. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope you know that I love you. And I love you so much that maybe it means you get out of here. See, we look at things like this and we start talking about these kinds of things and we talk about the poor. We talk about, not just the poor overseas, we talk about the poor right here in, in our own town, in our own home. And we have all these excuses and we do, and some of them are great and we kind of look at them like optional or extra credit. And I think one of the things we're gonna see in these upcoming weeks is that this is not out here, this is not extra credit, this is the heart of God. It is the very heart of God. Okay, that's to come. All right. Um, I need to get really practical because some of you, you're going, yeah, what do I do? You know, I mean, you, you just, you don't know. I mean, you're, you're, you're honestly just going, I, okay, Mark, help me right now. And so we have an incredible team of, um, of people that have been working on this thing for months and and our small group ministry, and I want to give you some really practical things. Here's what I want you to understand. Wherever your comfort zone, I want you to be like James and John. When Jesus looked at him, he said, no, you, you will do this, but you're not going to do it right now. There's going to be a process, and actually, here's the, you're going to run maybe for a while, and then you're going to come back, and you know, you know their process. You've probably read about that, or, uh, and so he's talking about that, and you have a process, so let me give it, let, let me give you the process that maybe, the, the, the road that we can help with. And I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask that you would find your comfort zone, and then wherever that is, I'm going to ask that prayerfully, being led by the Spirit, you would go beyond your comfort zone. Beyond your comfort zone. Okay. So here we go. I want to give you steps that we believe God's called in this journey. And here's the first one. We're going to challenge you as a church. Number one, to prioritize church. What does that mean? I mean, you said not to do... Okay, for some of you... Okay, come on. I know it's Sunday. Let's talk honestly right now. For some of you, coming to church is like, if I feel good and it happens to be a good day, and, you know, and, and often it's, it's kind of like this. Um, 
if I've had a really tough week, you know, and Saturdays I do this and this and this. Sundays is really the, kind of the only day to really get the battery recharged. Here's what I'm asking. If that's how you've been doing, I'm asking in the next seven weeks that you would absolutely prioritize church beyond your comfort, beyond your comfort. If you're thinking about a trip and you've not committed to one, uh, don't. How bold is that? Don't. I'm asking that you would stick around. You know I've never done that, ever, in this church. And just so you know, this is not about attendance. I'm not somebody, I don't have this big chart in my office, some of you think I do, where I check the chart of who was here and who wasn't. I don't do that. I don't, I, I've never done that. You've never even heard me talk since the day we opened about attendance. I'm talking about it right now because I believe that these next weeks are going to be that important. Prioritize Sundays. If you've got a trip that you've already paid for, sell it. And give me the, or give me the trip if you, okay, okay. I'm not saying that, obviously. We'll try to work with you and get CDs and stuff like that. But if there is any way you can be here, prioritize this week. Make a commitment right now to be here in these next seven weeks. That's the first one. Second thing, if that's just, no, Mark, that's, that's comfort. I love church. I'm, I'm here. Okay, the second area that you can grow, small groups. We're asking, as Ryan was talking about earlier, that you would become part of a small group. You have that map in there, and we've done everything we can to make this simple. There is something that happens in circles that doesn't happen in rows. I'm the only one talking. In a small group, you share with each other. In a small group, you'll go and you'll watch a video from World Vision to some of the things that we're talking about, and they're all coordinated on every week, so we're moving together through the week. And you're going to look at some scriptures together and you're going to talk about them. And then you're going to discuss them. You're going to ask questions. That's the second part. The third thing is this. When you become part of a small group, read the book. This book right here, The Hole in Our Gospel. World Vision has given us 250 of these books free of charge to give to you. And that's what we want to do. So we want to put this book in your hand, and that will be the next level of commitment over these next seven weeks to read this book. It is one of the most engaging books. I'm reading it again. Just I know a lot of us on our extension team, we're reading it a second, third time right now. Read this book. It's free. It's out at the table, and you can do it there. In our small groups, the fourth area is what we call challenge steps. Every time you go to a small group, should you say, I want to go to that level, they're going to have a challenge step, a challenge for you that week, that week. And there'll be two of them. And, and if you're at the challenge level, you choose between this one and this one and just do one of them. And so uh, here's week two. I'll just give you one of them. Skip one meal that week. And when you feel hungry from that meal, pray for the hearts of everyone at Newbridge that God will grow them. He would grow our heart for the poor and the marginalized in our world. One meal. Pray that God would do that. And the last uh, level of challenge that we would have is what we call our personal action journals. Our personal action journals, and that's this right here. Should you go that far, what this is, is this is basically 42 days, and it's a journal, and it just, uh, uh, what it does is just, it, it gives you a couple, it gives you a scripture, a couple of thoughts, some things that you write, and then you just journal. This is one day right here. 
Here's another day right there. So it's just a journal. Now, um, we have a certain amount of these for people that aren't computer savvy. And don't worry when I say that, not Monvi. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Um, if you want to do this, you can go online to their website and you can do this online every day. And free of charge, you just go there and day one, day two, it is exactly what the book is right here. But you can, this is the only thing you would have to purchase and you can get it at Amazon for, I think it's four or five bucks or you can buy it from us for 17. Okay. <laughs> Handling. Okay, uh, I'm kidding. I don't even know what we're, I don't know what they are. There's, there, I think there's 30 of them out there. Okay. Does that make sense? Even if it doesn't, go like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Married couples would be great in the same class. Uh, there are, I think there's a, de- a deal for women, a deal for men if you can't and work schedule. I know sometimes with children, it's easier to actually be part so that one could be watching. So they'll handle all of that. Great, good question. Uh, but we can handle all of that out at the table. All right, here's how I want to end. Um, the title of today was Set Aside. My hope, my prayer is that you don't find that being set aside, but the actual word for being set aside in the Bible is called consecrate. Consecrate yourself. Before they would go into a big battle, they would consecrate themselves. Before Israel, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of Judges, before they entered the promised land, God said, whoa, chapter three, before you enter the promised land, consecrate yourself. I want, you to, I want you to examine your heart. I want you to get ready. I want you to do this. Yes, there is a commitment. Do you know what it all means? No, but there is a commitment. And it's not a commitment to a program. It's a commitment to a person called Jesus Christ. That's the only person you're committing to here. When Jesus, the night before he died, he did this thing called communion, the Lord's Supper, and we do that here. We don't do it on certain days every, every month or any of that. We just do it when we feel God's calling us. And we felt like today was that day as we're moving into this series. And so we're going to sing a song. And, um, and, and while the band actually is singing this song, I'm going to ask that if you want to consecrate yourself, if you want to be in that position right now, and again, I want you to hear me, please, this is not, uh, what you're consecrating yourself to is Jesus Christ. You're setting yourself aside for him and for his work in your life. Now, that means this, that you have asked Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of everything you've ever done wrong knowing that you can't do it yourself. You can't clean yourself of all your own sins. He's the only one that can do that. And he did that work when he was on the cross. That's the first thing. And the second thing, this is the tough one, is that he would be the leader of your life. Wherever he goes, the deer. Boom, 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 boom. Wherever he goes, I'm going with him. Do you know what that means? Nope. I'm convinced you don't. You're not, com- you're not, you're not committing to something you think, just like, this Zebedee's, you know, wife, she, she didn't get it, but they would. And along the way, there will be moments where you will make decisions. But if you don't know the Lord, I don't want you to do what we're doing right now. I want you to just kind of stay in your seat and watch what happens, okay? Just, just, I want you to watch. And the only other thing is this, 
Maybe you said, I accepted the Lord and I asked him to be the forgiver of my life, but honestly, Mark, there's some things going on in my life right now that I know are wrong. And the only way I can say this is that I'm not really willing right now to deal with that. I'm not willing to deal with that right now. And if you're not, you're not willing to follow, just stay in your seat right now and pray and just ask God to speak to you and let you know maybe why you're not. He'll talk to you. If you are, you can get up out of your seat right now. There's four different places in in every corner of the auditorium right now. Just get a little piece of bread and a little cup. Don't take it there, but bring it back to your seat and we'll do this all together, okay? So if you want to do this, let's go ahead and go right now.